Well, good morning. Hope you all are having a great week. A little rough week for me. I uh, tried to go back and work out uh, this week, and uh, I lifted some real heavy weight. It wasn't very heavy, and I uh, tweaked a muscle in my neck. So if you see me kind of like doing like this, looking at you, I'm not being weird. I just can't turn beyond that, and it, it's kind of awkward, you know, when you're in Walmart and you're saying hi to people, and you're like, hey, good to see you. Um, so don't, don't judge me this morning. Um, it's good to be uh, in the house of the Lord, as we say, uh, which we know that this place isn't the, the only place that we come, but it's good to be with brothers and sisters in Christ where we can gather together and worship. And uh, this morning we're continuing our series on prayer. And uh, one of the things that I hope that you've seen as we've gone through prayer is just how expansive prayer is. Uh, it, it engulfs every area of our life. Uh, Dr. Dylan and Brian and I were sitting in uh, his office this morning. He said, you know, if you could sum up prayer in one aspect, what would it be? And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe humility. Maybe uh, recognizing our need for God. Uh, what, how could you sum up prayer? There's so many aspects to it. There's so, so much depth to it. And uh, this morning, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to see that even if, even the best of our prayers, even, even uh, I think of Miss Barbara Austin, she is a prayer warrior. If you don't know Miss Barbara Austin, you need to get to know her because uh, she's up at three in the morning praying for people. And uh, we need more people like that. But I think even our best prayers, even the ones who, who uh, have an intimacy with God that we kind of aspire to, we're still lacking as human beings. We still need the help of the Holy Spirit to intercede for us. And we're going to see that this morning. We're going to see that Paul even needed uh, the Holy Spirit to intercede on his behalf. And this is something that's a, a part of being a human being. So when it comes to prayer, we, we've learned over the past few weeks that there's always room for us to grow. We want to grow deeper in our intimacy with God. We want to grow in our faith as we pray. We, wa- we want to truly believe and trust God when we pray. We want to, we want to count it as already done because we, we trust God so much. Uh, we want to pray bolder prayers. We want to have such a strong faith that when we pray, we pray boldly, expecting God to move. We want to pray prayers that align with God's will. And we want to be disciplined in prayer out of obedience, even when we don't feel like praying. Even when we don't get the, the tingly emotions inside where we feel as if God's right there, we still want to do it. We want to be disciplined in it. And so... All these strivings, right? All these strivings that we're striving for. What if all that's not good enough? What if our six-week study on prayer isn't good enough? What if we're not going to give you every tool, every ability that you need? What if in all of our strivings and everything we give as we seek to get better, as we pray, 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 what if in all of this, in all our discipline and practice of prayer, we still need help? This morning we're going to see that that's the case, that we need help, and that God has supplied that helper in the Holy Spirit for us. So if you'll turn to Romans chapter 8, we're going to read verses 22 to 27, but we're going to specifically focus in on verses 26 and 27. But I want you to have 22 through 25 because I think you need the context there uh, to see what's happening there in 26 and 27. So Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 27. It says this, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit 
groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that is our helper, who intercedes on our behalf with groanings that are too deep for words. Father, this morning, as we seek to become better students of prayer, Lord, to become better prayers, Lord, we want to see your hand move. We want to be people who pray prayers that are in line with your will. We want to see great and mighty things done for your kingdom, for your name, for your glory. Father, I pray you'd teach us through your word. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would speak through me this morning with words that I could never say, with a power and a boldness that I do not have on my own. Father, I pray that this morning we would be fed by your word. We would leave here full, excited to serve you, excited to go to our prayer closets, excited to spend time with you, knowing and being encouraged that you help us in this great task, in this great calling, in this command to pray. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we ask that your hand would be over this service this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the first thing that I hope you saw as we looked at uh, verses 26 to 27 is that the Holy Spirit is a helper for us in our weakness. What everybody likes to see right off the bat, that we have a weakness, right? Uh, it's so funny, you know, many in our churches today do not recognize their absolute dependence on God. Pride is something that is infused in us from the moment we're children here in the United States of America. We are a proud nation, and it reflects onto our children. We're proud people. It reflects onto our children. They learn these things at a, at a really young age. Even the aura of the American dream teaches us that whatever we set out to do, we can achieve. It's simply not true for us when it comes to spiritual things. We are utterly dependent upon God to fulfill the calling that He has on our lives. Right from the beginning, what I want you to recognize and focus in on is that you are weak. You have a weakness. We have a weakness. And we're going to look a little bit deeper at what that weakness is, but I want to read to you John 15, 5. This is the end of what Jesus is saying here. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you know John chapter 15, you know this is the abide chapter. He talks about how if you abide in me, right, there will be much fruit. that you need, We need to abide in him. There's no fruit outside of him. And here he tells his disciples that apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. And so right from the get-go, what we've got to recognize is that on our own, in our own power, with what we have, our bodies, these minds that we have, these gifts from God, we can do nothing to impact the kingdom of God. You have nothing to give. You have nothing to offer in and of yourself. 
tough pill to swallow this morning, right? Uh, it's hard for us to think like that. But I think, you know, when, when you think about someone coming to faith in Jesus Christ, when you think about salvation, what takes place before salvation? The recognition of your sin, the desperate state that you are in, that you will be separated from God. You are separated from God. You are spiritually dead, and you recognize for the first time that you are guilty, and all you deserve is hell. You have nothing to offer a holy, perfect, good God. And what results is repentance, a brokenness, a humility in which you recognize that you do need the gift of God. You do need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you receive Him with a glad heart, recognizing you had nothing to offer, that you did not deserve Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I think in prayer, this is very important for us to understand. It's very important for us to understand that we actually have nothing to offer, that your prayers have no power in and of yourself. That sounds crazy because we think to ourselves that this is like our tool, our weapon, but in and of yourself, it has nothing, it has no effect. Why is it that prayer meeting is the lowest attended church gathering each week all across this nation? Why is it that the average church member attends church two out of four weeks in a month? We could go on and on and on about these statistics. You know what I would dare say? I think it's because we think we can do things on our own. We think we got this. We think we have it all figured out. We've got God in His box, and we're going to go do the things that we think are good, and, and, and we're going to produce fruit on our own, we think. We're not going to abide in Christ. We're not going to rely on God. We're not going to let the Spirit lead us and walk in the Spirit. We're going to walk in the flesh and think that we actually have something to offer to God. Why would I go waste my time praying when I can be out doing? And God says, you can do nothing apart from me. Nothing. Zero, nada, right? The word helper here is not a new word used to describe the Holy Spirit. In fact, we see it in John chapter 14, verses 24 to 26. Jesus is speaking here. He says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. If the Holy Spirit is the one who will teach us all things, maybe we need to rely on him in prayer. Maybe when we're trying to learn about prayer, right? We've got the Word of God written by who? This is inspired by the Holy Spirit is what we hold to. And this is the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. He authored it. And so when we, when we talk about learning about prayer, when we talk about growing in prayer, there's only one way to do that. That's through the Holy Spirit. Through Him. And so we see that in this, in this passage, in these verses. And I think that Paul isn't trying to condemn them. I don't think that Paul is necessarily trying to say, hey, you have nothing to offer. What he's trying to do is encourage them. It's encouraging that God doesn't confront us or condemn us for being weak. 
Rather, He sends His Spirit to help us in our weakness. This is who God is. He's already paid the price for our sin by sending His Son as a ransom for us. And now He sends His Spirit to help us in our weakness. What a good God we serve. When you're praying and you feel inadequate, be encouraged in knowing that God knows your weakness and He has sent His Spirit to help you. One last thing to note in this first point is that this doesn't mean that we just give up on praying and expect the Holy Spirit to pray for us. It's quite the opposite. The word help here refers to someone carrying a heavy load and another person comes alongside to take the other end and bear the burden with him. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit just takes over and he prays on your behalf with these longings and these groanings that are too deep for words. That's not what he's saying. He said, as you're praying, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and he helps bear the burden of prayer. Have you ever thought of prayer as a burden? I think we think of it as kind of our our credit card, you know? We go to God and we, we don't really have to pay for it. It's just free stuff. God, would you give me joy? God, would you heal me? God, would you do this? And we kind of use it like a credit card. We just swipe, 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 swipe. Well, what if prayer is a burden? What if prayer is, is a spiritual obedience to God, a discipline that we must learn? It's actually a heavy burden on us that we must obey, that we must seek for God's will in our lives. The only other time this word is used in the New Testament is in Luke 10. It's when Martha bursts out and she asks Jesus to tell Mary to help her host rather than to sit at his feet. She wanted Mary to, to bear the load that she had in the preparations of hosting Jesus. And if you remember, Jesus says, no, no, no. She's doing what's right. She's chosen the good thing. To sit at my feet. To spend time with me. I'll only be here for such a time, right, for, for a short amount of time. She wanted that burden, that load to be bore with her as she was serving, as she was out setting the table, as she was asking Jesus, do you want some more water? Maybe she was fluffing the pillows on the couch, right? I don't know what kind of furniture they had back then. Come help me. Come help. What if prayer is a burden? What if prayer is work. Have you ever thought about it like that? What if the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few? What if the laborers are those who are in their prayer closet praying and calling upon God to move in mighty ways, allowing the Spirit to assist them? And what if prayer is the catalyst for change? What if prayer should come before all of these things that we go and we set out to do, 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 do. One thing I love about our church is we serve in so many ways. We're passionate about serving. We have so many ministries. But if we don't take the time to pray and to ask God for fruit, what will we see? Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We have glorified babysitting services. If we're not praying and asking God to move in power through the things that we're out doing, that we say are for His glory, for His kingdom. Second thing I want you to see from this text is that our failure to know God's will 
and the inability to petition God specifically and assuredly is our weakness in prayer. He doesn't just call us weak and just leave us there, but Paul, he specifically lays out what that weakness is. We don't know what to pray for. Why don't we know what to pray for? Because we don't know God's will. And because we don't know God's will, because we don't know the future, we can't pray specific and assured prayers. We just don't know what to pray. I wrote down a couple examples to help us think through this, okay? Uh, you think about when someone is sick and dying, what should we pray? Should we pray that they be healed? Or should we pray that they go and that they're at rest and that they're with Jesus? That's one of those dilemmas that we have as pastors sometimes when we go and we're, we're praying over those who are sick and in the hospital. What should we pray? I don't know what God's will is. I don't know what's best for you. Maybe you're healed today and I pray for your healing. And you're, Is that really what's going to be good? You'll get another sickness. Maybe this is your time to go home and be with the Lord. It's just an example. We don't, we don't know what to pray in different circumstances. When one of our children rebels against God and they go their own way and they get in trouble, should we pray that God deliver them from the trouble or should we pray that they get in more trouble and that they hit rock bottom and recognize their need for a Savior? Which prayer should we pray? We could take it in a million different directions, but we don't know. We don't know in the moment. How many times are we praying the exact opposite of God's will? Oh, please, please don't let my son go to jail. And God's will is that they go to jail and they learn their lesson, that they be disciplined. How many times do we call out for God to have mercy, heal, forgive? And God's will is it's time for discipline, it's time for a change. How often do we pray for our nation? Lord, help our nation. What if God's wrath is what would be best for our nation? What if persecution for the church in the United States of America is what would be best for us because it would turn our hearts back to God? Have you ever thought about those things? It's a tough passage because we have to think through. I don't know. I don't know what to pray. It's our weakness. It's laid out right here so simply. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. We ought to know. But we don't. We don't. We can't pray right because we don't know the future. and We don't know what is truly best for us in each circumstance. We don't know God's will. So when we pray, we usually pray for our will and hope that it aligns with His. Because we don't know God's will, our prayers aren't very specific and they're not bold like they should be. They're kind of just thrown up their softballs, general prayers, if it be your will, Lord, right? When we look at King David and we look at the Psalms and he did, Lord, why are you not moving? Sorry, that was a little dramatic there. Ooh, hit the thing, right? Why are you not moving? Your great name should be exalted. And yet you let the enemies win. You let the enemies have victory. When will you stand up and fight for your great name, right? Those bold prayers, empowered by the Spirit, as David asked God to do something mighty for his name, for his kingdom. We don't pray those. Why? I don't know if that's really God's will. Lord, if it's your will, I pray you would just, you know, those bad people, you just take care of them, right? Don't we pray like that? How many weak prayers do we pray in our weakness? 
because we don't know God's will. I'll tell you, the more we walk with God, the more we're able to discern His will. The more I know about Kim and our marriage, we've only been married for a little over four months. Uh, i got to be careful. Man, you said the wrong month, you're in big trouble. Uh, getting used to this, right? The more I know about her, the more I know about her will. What she's going to want. Does she want Mexican? Yes, always, right? Yes, she's always going to want Mexican. We go to the taco place right by the house. I already know it. The more time we spend with God, the more time in his word, the more time in prayer, the more we learn about his will. You see, David was a man after God's own heart. Why was he able to pray these bold, specific prayers? Because he knew that God's great name was to be glorified. He knew that God's will was for his name to be declared amongst all the nations. For every man, woman, child to hear about this great, mighty, holy, perfect King of kings and Lord of lords. And David knew it. Why, God? Why don't you make your name great right now? He knew that God had the power and the authority to do it. You want a more successful and fruitful prayer life? The more time you spend in prayer, the more time you spend in his word, the more time you submit yourself to walking in the spirit, that will affect the success and fruit of your prayer life. But it's key to note here that even if we spend all day, every day in prayer, There are some things that we see here in this text in prayer that are deeper than words, that we can't even express. There are some things that come from so deep within. The depth of prayer is so deep that we can't even get to it, that the Holy Spirit has to intercede on our behalf. The Spirit intercedes on a level of depth we can never achieve. The Spirit is is one with the Father and perfectly knows the Father's will. There's a depth to the Spirit's groanings that goes beyond our prayers. It goes beyond the things we can speak, the things we can say. What's the best thing for your prayer life? The best thing for your prayer life is to pray in the Spirit rather than in the flesh. The best thing you can do in your prayer life is to seek for the depth that goes deeper than these surface prayers that we, see, that we pray. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take you wanting to know God more. Having that desire. Lord, what should I pray? Teach me. A humility. Third thing I want you to see from this text this morning is that God's Spirit meets our need. We have this need. He meets our need by expressing to God those intercessory petitions that perfectly match the will of God. Of God. God's Spirit meets our need by expressing to God those intercessory petitions that perfectly match the will of God. New Testament scholar C.H. Dodd defines prayer in this way He says, Prayer is the divine in us appealing to the divine above us. Prayer is the divine in us appealing to the divine above us. The Spirit helps our prayers. Again, that doesn't mean that the Spirit does it alone, but rather that as we pray, the Spirit helps our prayers by praying what our souls are longing to say. Our souls cry out, yet our flesh is very strong. I try to think of an analogy to try to relate to you. I, I really don't know unless you've ever experienced praying in the Spirit. There's something special and different about it. There's a depth to it. 
it's almost as though you're, you're, you're not the one speaking. It's, just, it's like your soul's crying out. Uh, I've only experienced it a few times in my life, to be honest with you. I wish it was more. Uh, one of the times that, that it was happening, um, I don't know if I've shared this story with y'all, but uh, it was after I saw the demon in the youth room. Did, did I tell y'all that story? Uh, I saw the demon in the youth room. No, it wasn't that. I'm sorry. It was the time when we had a, a college and career uh, kid that was autistic. And a lot of people thought he was demon-possessed. He would just do some really terrible, weird things. And uh, I always felt really bad for him, so I would you know, try to hang out with him and invite him to come hang out with us. And uh, one night I was sitting there working on the computer, and we had this, these game rooms in the youth room, and you know, the youth pastor was gone. It was my job to lock up. And uh, I feel like this cold sensation on my back. And I turned around, and he was like, he had his hand out on me, and it, knocked his hand off, and like the cold sensation stayed there. It felt like an ice cube just sitting on my back. I just start rubbing it, you know. I'm like, oh, what is that? Get it off of me. And there was another young man named Alex that was in there. And uh, I said, Alex, what was he doing? He's like, I don't know, man. He just like kind of had his hand out on you. And it freaked me out, you know, because I know in the back of my mind that people think that he's demon-possessed. I don't know why he would even be, you know, touching my back like that. And now I have this cold sensation. I'm rubbing it, and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, get this off of me. Get this off of me. And a few minutes go by, and finally the cold sensation goes away, and I'm mad. <laughs> I'm fed up, and I say, everyone out. I'm locking up. We're going home. So I lock up the youth room. We go out, and my, one of my best friends, Branley, uh, was there with me. And I said, Branley, man, I feel like spiritually attacked. I, I felt really heavy and, and kind of burdened. I was like, will you just come pray with me? And Branley was kind of like my, my Jonathan to David. Uh, we just had, a, we always clicked just really well, and we could, we could be open and honest with each other. And we went to my car, and we started praying. And when we started praying, I, it was something different. It was just this longing, this special longing. I was afraid, and I recognized my absolute need for God, and I'm just praying, and I'm praying. And my car started shaking. At the time, I thought it was like a demonic presence shaking my car, but now looking back, you know, it talks about holy ground and the holy ground shaking at times. I think maybe that might have been it because we were, we were praying in the Spirit. And we got done praying that first, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes, and the car was shaking. Man, did you feel that? Yeah, that was crazy. And uh, I said, let's keep praying, you know. This is, this, is, this is an experience that, you know, not many people ever experience. And so we start praying again, and all of a sudden, God speaks to me. He says, there's a man on the next road over, and I want you to go and tell him that I love him. It was so weird. And so I told Branley, I said, Branley, this is weird, but God just told me there's a man on the next road over. We need to go tell him that, that he loves him. And sure enough, we get, we, he's like, yeah, let's go. So I start my car, and we go down, and we go to the end of the road here. We turn, and as soon as we turn on that next road, there's a man walking across the street, right in the middle. We did whatever, you know, what every manly man would do. We start crying. <laughs> what in the world is going on? He says, please, can I do it? Can I do it? I say, yeah. So I pulled my car up and uh, rolled down his window, and he says, hey, man, I know this is weird. It was about 10 o'clock at night. He's like, I know it's late at night. He said, my, my buddy and I were just praying, and uh, the Lord wants you to know that he loves you. He starts freaking out. No, no, y'all messing with me, man. No, y'all messing. He was, he was using some expletives, too. We were like, oh, man, this is not the right guy, right? He's like, no, y'all messing with me. And uh, all of a sudden, he calms down. He gets really serious. He says, I was about to go kill myself. And he said, as I was walking across the street, I had just prayed that if God heard me, that he'd give me a sign. And we pulled up. 
we got out, we talked with him, we got to know a little bit about him. He had a fiancé that he found out was cheating on him. He had a drug addiction, and he was about to go take his life. But God loved him, and he sent us to let him know in that moment. It's one of the experiences I've had where there's just this depth, the spirit calling out. I'm not saying it's always going to be like that. I'm not saying that every day of our life should be like that, but I feel like we should desire to pray in the spirit in that way in a way that's deeper than our surface-level prayers that are right here only and never go here. Does that make sense, church? A heartfelt prayer with depth and with love. I think that's where we got to get. Our souls cry out, yet our flesh is so strong. Romans 8, if you look earlier in the chapter, if you just turn a page back maybe, or maybe just look up, verses 5 to 11 says this. Romans 8, 5 to 11. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You, you see, in the flesh, we just we cannot please God. There's nothing that we can offer. The Spirit gives us life. It's the Spirit. When we, when we walk in the Spirit, when we pray in the Spirit, we're able to see God do great and mighty things. When our prayers are fleshly desires, we cannot expect to have our prayers have any effect. But when we pray prayers that are in the will of God, and are helped by the Holy Spirit, we can pray boldly, full of faith, assured that our prayers will be answered. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says this, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. You see, when you pray and you know it's going to be answered because you have that faith and that assurance, this is in God's will. There's something more powerful about that prayer than the fact that your faith is there. I believe it's, it's already done. I know that it's done. It's your will. And I know your will because I've taken the time to spend time with you in prayer, in reading your word. And I know what your heart is, Father. And so I pray that what your will is, this specific thing right here, that you do it. And we pray it with a boldness and a faith. Fourth thing that I want you to see from this text is that the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. It's important to recognize that this help from the Holy Spirit is only for those who are referred to as saints. What is a saint? The the Greek word here is hagion, and it means holy one. 
The saints are the ones who have been made holy through faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'd rather us use the word saint because when we use the word Christian today, Christian means a lot of different things. There are so many Christians out there who do not have the Holy Spirit. So many Christians out there who are not alive. They're dead spiritually. There is no fruit being produced. And they can look and act as much as they want like a Christian, a real Christian, as a saint. But it's just not there. It's fake. This help from the Spirit is for the saints. For the holy ones who've been made holy through faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you've never put your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior, accepting the fact that you are a sinner in need of a great Savior, then you do not have this helper. If you pray and you feel like your prayers are just hitting the wall every time, I've never seen God move. Maybe they are hitting the wall every single time. There's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. You being good enough, you sitting in this pew, you being a nice person, you having all the Sunday school badges in the world, you being a Sunday school teacher, you doing, 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 doesn't mean a thing. You can do nothing apart from me. And that helper is for the saints alone. There are many prayers that do so in vain because they believe they can come to God in any way they please. There's only one way to God and to a relationship with Him, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. You have no access outside of Christ because your sin separates you from God who is holy and set apart. I want to stress that to you. I think that there's a lot of prayers out there. You get frustrated. Oh, I never see my prayers answered. And I'm going to tell you why. You don't know Him. You just don't know Him. You got it figured out that your salvation, that you can attain your salvation on your own. That you can do it. That you can be a good enough person. God will be pleased to have me on His team. I serve in this ministry. I serve in that. It doesn't cut it. There's only one way for your prayers to reach the Savior. There's only one intercessor. There's only one who can bridge the gap between us and the Father. And you want to do it your way? You think that you can pray that God's going to hear your prayers, He's going to answer your prayers by you being a good enough person, by you doing stuff. Oh, God, God, He wants me. He loves me. I'm His. There's only one way for you to be his, and that's for you, for you to accept the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. You need to be washed. You need to be clean. You need to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ before your prayers will reach a holy God. It's so important. If you're here this morning and you're looking for God to work for you, and you're hoping that prayer will give you a better life outside of Christ, it's not going to work. I think about Acts 8, there was a a man named Simon. He's a magician, and he sees the apostles going and laying hands on people and giving them the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know what Simon does? I want that. I want that gift, right? And so he goes to the apostles, and he asks them, hey, I want to buy that gift from you. I want you to give me that gift so that anybody I lay my hands on, uh, they'll, they'll get the Holy Spirit. He tries to do it his way, right? Listen to the response. Uh, that he gets 
from Peter in verse 20 of Acts 8. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Perish. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. We want things, so we ask for things. That's not what prayer's about. It's important that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who helps our prayers. That's what will happen to those who think they can obtain the gifts of God in any way other than through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Maybe the reason your prayer life produces nothing this morning is because you've not put your faith in Jesus, and therefore you do not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, interceding on your behalf. I'm going to conclude this morning with just a a story. I was reading an article one time, and it was about uh, these babies that were being adopted from a third world country. I can't remember what country it was. But they're on an airplane, and the babies are crying, but they're making no sound. It's just tears coming down. And one of the ladies asked uh, one of the caretakers for the babies, you know, why is it that they're just crying? They're making no sound. And it was because those babies had been in an orphanage where there was, not, there was no workers. And they had cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and no one ever came. No one ever heard their cry. And so they stopped making noise. And now they just cry tears without making noise because the noise didn't help. I think it's a perfect analogy for us because we are like babies In the spiritual realm. We utterly depend upon God. Why do babies cry? Why do they scream out? Because they can't do it themselves. They need somebody to come alongside. And to help them. They need somebody to change their diaper. They need somebody to feed them. They don't know how to do it. And that's like us. And if you're praying prayers outside of the Holy Spirit, you're praying prayers outside of Christ, you're like the baby in the orphanage, just crying, crying, crying. There's nothing there. There's no one there. Call out to Jesus. Call out to Jesus. Have that cry answered. That's the only way. Kind of a heavy message, but I want to go back and and remind you that Paul wants to encourage the saints in prayer. He wants you to be encouraged. Believers, be encouraged. You are the saints. You are the ones who have the helper. And when you pray, when you feel like, ah, it's just not getting through, recognize this, that the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf. The Holy Spirit tenderly prays for us in our weakness. That should encourage us to pray. Knowing that prayer is something that has such a profound impact, a power that is way beyond anything we could ever do on our own. It has the ability to impact eternity. And it's our way of speaking to our perfect, holy, awesome God. It's an amazing thing to comprehend. Prayer is beyond our capacity to understand. We can be encouraged that the Holy Spirit 
is given to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I want you to be encouraged, church, as you pray that the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf. I want you to seek to go deeper and to pray in the spirit rather than to pray in the flesh or in the mind. I think that that is key for us to recognize our dependence upon God. And when we recognize that we're dependent, we will seek to pray in the Spirit. For those of you here this morning that you, you can't pray prayers because you're not a believer. You've not put your faith in Jesus Christ. Whatever it is you've tried to come to God, you tried to clean yourself up. Let me tell you something. There is no bath that can cleanse your sin. Nothing can cleanse you but the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you this morning, we're going to have an opportunity that you can come and you can surrender your life to Christ. You can do it right there in your seat. But we're going to give you an opportunity during this time. We're going to have some music. Church, it's an opportunity for you to reflect on what the Holy Spirit does for you, to praise and to worship God and to thank Him. That in this hard burden that we have of prayer, in this life that we're called to serve a the King of kings and Lord of lords, he has given us a helper who intercedes on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. You could never pray those words, those groanings. You can never get there. But God has given us spirit, his spirit to do so. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit as a helper for us. God, you call us to big things. You call us to things that we cannot do in and of ourselves, Lord. We need you. We rely on you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Father, I pray that our church would be encouraged this morning that you have equipped us with your spirit. I pray that they'd be encouraged that we have your word And Lord, we have access to you through Jesus Christ, that we can know you deeper, that we can find out what your will is, and therefore pray bolder prayers, prayers that have a deeper impact on eternity. Father, I pray for those here this morning that they they don't understand this. God, they've never surrendered their heart and life to you. They've never put their faith in your son, Jesus Christ. 